0: It's February 1st, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. Well, you made it through the first month with me through the one-year Bible plan, and we're going to jump into the second month of the year by continuing our story in the book of Exodus. And I love this book because it sets up so many of the themes that run throughout all Scripture, and ultimately it cries out for a Messiah that will come and fulfill it. God's ultimate plan through Jesus Christ makes this book crystal clear. Exodus 13, verse 17 through chapter 15, verse 18. Let's read it. Exodus 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle, I love that about our God. He only gives us what we can handle. He knows. He's a good shepherd. He knows what uh, when it's time for us to go through a dark valley because it'll grow us and grow us closer to Him. And He, he also knows when Blake Farley can't handle it, and He shows up just at the right time. He's a good Father, and we see that here at the people. Uh, as He says, you know, if the people are faced with a the battle, they're going to get discouraged and, and they'll return to slavery. I Just I love that about our God. He is a Father. Verse nineteen. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. The Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. That concludes chapter 13, moving into chapter 14, verse 1 of the book of Exodus. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pi-haharoth between Megiddo and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness, and once again I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there, as they were told. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done, letting all those Israelite slaves get away? They asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel, who had left with fist raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers, and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pi-Harethon, Across from Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Oh, how easy we lose faith. Verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. I don't know who that's supposed to speak to, but I just want to read that again because I I think that that, that that feels like something that God's saying to somebody today. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops and his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the sky. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of cloud, of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, They were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Moving into chapter 15, as that concludes chapter 14, this is chapter 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. What is the response to being saved? They're going to sing. Look at this. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and army he has hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters gushed over them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow those who rise against you. You unleash your blazing fury. It consumes them like straw. At the blast of your breath, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood straight like a wall. In the heart of the sea, the deep waters became hard. The enemy boasted, I will chase them and catch up with them. I will plunder them and consume them. I will flash my sword. My powerful hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. You raised your right hand, and the earth swallowed our enemies. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your mind, you guide them to, to your sacred home. The peoples hear and tremble. Anguish grips those who live in Philistia. The leaders of Edom are terrified. The nobles of Moab tremble. All who live in Canaan melt away. Terror and dread fall upon them. The power of your arm makes them lifeless as stone until your people pass by. Oh Lord, until the people you purchased pass by, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O oh Lord, reserved for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O oh Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And that concludes our old Testament reading today. And I don't want you to miss something really important. If you remember at the beginning of this story, uh, we see Pharaoh is killing babies, and what do they do with Moses, the servant who would lead the people out of Egypt? They, they put baby Moses in the water. And what happens? Uh, the uh, Egyptian, uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses, draws him out of the water and raises him and protects him. He, they say his name uh, means drawn out. She names him Moses because he was drawn out of the water. So what happens to God's people? God's chosen servant, drawn out of the water. then we see here, kind of at the end of this leaving of Egypt, what happens when Pharaoh's people go into the water. Are they drawn out? No, they are consumed. Yeah. I told you at the beginning, we're looking at a story here which pits two kingdoms against one another. There's the kingdoms of the world, and then there's God's kingdom. God's kingdom will prevail. And in fact, throughout Scripture, we see water uh, serve as a sign of God's wrath, Uh, Think back to the most famous story Noah and the flood. What did God do when he was judging the world? He flooded it and God's people were what they were drawn out. They were saved from the water saved from the wrath. This all points to Jesus Christ who would come one day And you and I like Noah like the Egyptians We deserve God's wrath. We're sinners. We've sinned against God. We are a part of the enemy kingdom the kingdom of the world. We want to be our own king, our own queen. We want to follow in line with what we think is best, choosing for ourselves what is good and what is evil, just as they did in Genesis in the garden. And yet Jesus comes and he lives a life we couldn't live. And he, like the servant Moses, raises up a staff and he provides a way of dry ground for you and I to walk from where we are, to repent from our ways and turn to his ways so that we might, by dry ground, be drawn out of the water ourselves. We are now new in Christ because he came and paid the penalty we deserve to pay, rose again on the third day, and now he invites us to follow him in the pathways of life. And my friends, trust in Christ. Walk on the dry ground. In fact, this is why baptism is done in water. You go into the water. It's a watery grave, and you come up out of the water. You're drawn out of the water, representing new life in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Exodus is a book that sets up themes that run throughout all of Scripture and point us to Jesus. Now speaking of Jesus, let's read a little bit more about him today in our New Testament reading, Matthew chapter twenty one, verses twenty three through forty six. Matthew twenty one, verse twenty three. When Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and elders came up to him. They demanded, By what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. If you answer one question, Jesus replied Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven Or was it merely human? They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask us why we didn't believe John. But if we say it was merely human, we'll be mobbed because the people believe John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will go. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live. But you didn't believe him. While tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Now, listen to another story. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, and dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, Surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw his son coming, they said to one another, Here comes the heir to the estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard, and murdered him. When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, What do you think he will do to those farmers? The religious leaders replied, He will put the wicked man to a horrible death. And lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. Then Jesus asked him, Didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone? This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone it falls on. When the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. They wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. I love it. That's Jesus being epic Jesus there. He tells a story, and the Pharisees don't realize till the end, they're the bad guys in the story. That's awesome. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. Proverbs 6, verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. And finally, we will read Psalm 26 in a posture of prayer. This is the 26th Psalm, a Psalm of David, verse one. Declare me innocent, O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial, Lord. Cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. For I am always aware of your unfailing love, and I have lived according to your truth. I do not spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil, and I refuse to join in with the wicked. I wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord, singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. I love your sanctuary, Lord. The place where your glorious presence dwells. Lord, I cannot resonate fully with this psalm because I have not been pure. I have hung out with the evil. I am a hypocrite and I am a liar. And yet, Lord, my hands have been washed clean, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And Lord, I love your sanctuary. Not a building, but the presence of the Holy Spirit within me and your people. And that in that, I get to be around your glorious presence, although I don't deserve it. And Lord, I await the day in which you return, and I fully get to be in your presence because of what Christ has done for me, declaring me innocent. And I can now act and walk with integrity because of what He's done on my behalf. Verse 9. Don't let me suffer the fate of sinners. Don't condemn me along with murderers. Their hands are dirty with evil schemes, and they constantly take bribes. But I am not like that. I live with integrity. So redeem me and show me mercy. Now I stand on solid ground, and I will publicly praise the Lord. Lord, I praise you, uh, and I thank you that I don't have to ask for forgiveness anymore. I can just say thank you for the forgiveness you've given me in Jesus as he has shed his blood for me. Lord, I praise you, and I thank you for this and for this reading. Amen. Well, I really enjoyed today's reading in Exodus and and throughout um, the entire one-year Bible plan today, and I hope that you did also. Let me know what you thought about the reading, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.